0: The Big Muddy Music Hour is presented by The Bluff Top at Rocheport, a trailside vineyard retreat and home of Les Bourgeois Vineyards. The Bluff Top at Rocheport is a destination featuring a winery, a restaurant, a wine garden, and three guest houses available for rent. For more information, visit MissouriWine.com. Hello and welcome to the Big Muddy Music Hour presented by The Bluff Top at Roachport. I'm your host, Colin LaVote, the shameless voice, playing what's relevant in music from the country of the Midwest and beyond. How you doing today, folks? Spring is in the air. We've been kind of on a pendulum swing between nice days and cool days. Of course, what they always say, uh, the, what's the old axiom about Missouri weather, if you don't like the weather, wait five minutes. But, you know, actually, the funny thing about that saying is I, I was once working a Summerfest show, and I mentioned that phrase to a a, touring, a tour manager for one of the acts, I can't remember who, he said, yeah, you know, kid, they say that about every place, so, you know, maybe it, maybe it isn't as, as much of a Midwestern colloquialism as I, I once thought, but I digress. This week. We have such a good show in store, literally one of my favorite interviews that I've conducted in the 76 episodes that we've done with the Big Muddy Music Hour. My guest this week is John Dyer Baisley of a band called Baroness. And I'm not going to spend a ton of time talking about my past experiences with this band, of which I've, I've had a few, But because I, I get into that whenever I talk to them uh, on, in the interview that you're going to hear in just a little bit. But I will say that it was just a really great experience. And this is the, actually the first time since our third episode, believe it or not, in which I was able to talk to or touring artists in person on the night of their show. The last guest in which I was able to do that was Devin Gilfillian. Both of those artists were performing on the Loop in St. Louis. Devin Gilfillian was opening for Grace Potter at the pageant, and Baroness was playing down the street at the Duck Room in Blueberry Hill. Uh, Great chat. Uh, uh, Alicia and I were able to go not only sit and talk with John for a while on his tour bus, but we were also able to catch the show, of which I wrote a new Big Muddy blog post. So in case you haven't heard, we have a new feature at BigMuddyMusicHour.com. Check it out. I'm really happy with the content so far. And actually, they've, the blogs have been coming really fast. We've had one a week for the last three weeks, which is more than I was expecting to be able to pump out, in all honesty. Uh, the first one was about uh, Tool, which I wrote. The second one, which featured last week's guest, Wes Wingate, featured his review on Charlie Crockett's recent performance at the Blue Note. And the blog post that I just put up on Friday is about my history with Baroness and their a review of their fantastic set at the Duck Room. And I I'd check it out. Uh, you can sign up for the newsletter there where we're going to be sending out basically just reminders and, and updates, letting people know whenever new blog posts are out. And also, we have, we have some, some fun ideas and, and plans down the line, but we're just taking it all one step at a time. Another bit of housekeeping that I want to touch on is the podcast version of the Big Money Music Hour is live again. I know I was really bad about publishing these episodes to podcasts, but no more, folks. Please subscribe to the Big Money Music Hour podcast on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, because we're going to be publishing the podcast versions of these interviews on those platforms with much higher frequency in the near future. We're going to take a short break. But whenever we come back, We're going to be talking with John dyer Basley from Baroness. So stick around as the Big Muddy Music Hour podcast keeps on
1: rolling.
2: The Big Muddy Music Hour is presented by Les Bourgeois Vineyards, located in Rocheport, Missouri. Les Bourgeois has been mid-Missouri's winery for more than three decades, with over 20 different wines ranging in style and sweetness. Les Bourgeois Wines are available at your local retailer, their tasting room, or shop online at MissouriWine.com. The Big Muddy Music Hour is also supported by Ozark Mountain Biscuit Company, announcing the opening of their new brick-and-mortar restaurant, Ozark Mountain Biscuit and Bar, located right across the street from Logboat Brewing Company, featuring a full menu for breakfast, lunch, dinner, a cocktail bar, espresso bar, with to-go sandwiches, and an outdoor patio. Ozark Mountain Biscuit and Bar opening summer 2021. The Big Muddy Music Hour is also brought to you by Amber House Bed and Breakfast. Located in historic Roachport, Missouri, this full service inn offers lodging and dinner service open to the public with locally sourced ingredients, a rotating wine list, and an in-house masseuse. For more information, visit amberhousebb.com. The Big Muddy Music Hour is also supported by Cooper's Landing Cooper's Landing is a full-service marina that's home to food trucks, a campground, and a live music venue on the banks of the Missouri River just off the Katy Trail. For more information, visit cooperslandingmo.com. The Dive Bar is an official underwriter of the Big Muddy Music Hour. Located on the Business Loop in Columbia, with evenings of great live music, the Dive Bar also offers lunch, dinner, and a weekend brunch, as well as a craft cocktail menu. More information can be found at divebarcomo dot
0: Playing with relevant in music, from the country of the Midwest and beyond. You're listening to the Big Money Music Hour, and we are sitting here on a tour bus outside of the famed Blueberry Hill in St. Louis, and I'm sitting across from a man that I have admired for many years, Mr. John Baisley from Baroness. How you doing, man?
2: I'm
1: doing very well. How about you?
0: I'm doing great. <laughs> uh, like I said, I'm... I've been a big admirer for a long time and uh, not only what you do with your music but your artwork and you know, I'm, I definitely want to dive into that a little bit but I always start off every conversation, every interview, uh, doesn't matter who, with some semblance of the same question. And for you, I'm going to tweak it a little bit because it's Uh-oh. it's usually where where did uh <laughs> where, where did your your musical journey start? What inspired you to do that? But I'm actually curious, what came first? Because you you are an artist and you, you draw these really elaborate and beautiful paintings uh, that as a part of artwork that you you create for Baroness and other people, but what what came first? Was it music or was it was it the visual arts?
1: I mean, I think uh, I'm pretty sure because I've spent some time thinking about this in the past. I'm pretty sure that the visual art thing came first, but only as a byproduct of being a child and like all children, one of the first things, one of the first methods you learn to communicate or to express yourself is through visual art because when we're two or three years old, when we're four or five, six, seven, we all have this innate capacity to create imagery and we all have this desire and this, this sort of need to interpret our feelings on paper, and that's why that's why all children draw. It's just and it's it's easy, you know. It's, a, it's there's a direct there's a direct connection between your head and your heart and your hands, and it's just it's just that simple. Whether whether you're you know making scratchy lines and just big you know energetic color fields, or trying to trying to make sense of the world around you and trying to draw what you see figuratively. It's something we all have the facility to do when we're young so for me like everybody else and so that's why I answered that question that way like everybody else it, that's that is what came first for me I think but I but I think the I think the more genuine answer is that they both came at the same time insofar as I've always felt a very pressing n- nearly tangible need to create things uh, it fills time for me, or kills time for me. It allows me to work through things that I can't verbally make sense of or uh, things that I can't internalize. And so it, there, so the driver behind, the, you know the fuel behind both my visual art and my sonic art, and, and really everything else, the lyrics and the writing, and, and you know anything else that I'm doing creatively. Is it's just coming from the same place, you know? It's just it's just that I wake up, and before I do anything else, I feel the need to make make things to create. Um, music is a little more difficult to create in a in in a certain sense, in that you you have to have an instrument. Well, I'm going to speak generally here. I know you can make music without instruments. You could sing, um, but I play guitar and I sing, so. What I mean to say is that playing guitar takes a tremendous amount of work and dedication and persistence and routine and rehearsal and practice, and you just have to go through the forms constantly to gain an intimate relationship with the tool that you've got, whereas my hands being the tools that make art with only a paintbrush or a pencil or something in between them and the paper that I'm using, it's a more direct thing. So. With music, I, I sometimes feel like I'm trying to teach my body to catch up with the, the things that I want to say. Um, and that doesn't happen in quite as dire and necessary a way with the, the visual art that I make. So I, I, guess I'm, I guess I'm sort of answering your questions. No, but yeah. The, I mean, <clears throat> I'm, not, I'm not stable and I'm not balanced and I'm not right with the world if I'm not making something. So that's what I'll you m-
0: mentioned just a few minutes ago before we started recording. Was uh, Alicia's actually here with us today, and she was asking about, about her your your paints and when's the last time you painted? And you I, said you had, you you bring bring the stuff with you on the road because you in between shows you just can't help but continue to express yourself. In that's right. Yeah,
1: and I mean, and it's and touring for me is is a very important pro- part of the process of creating things, like whether it's writing songs or making imagery. I Draw very heavily on my direct experience with the world, the the way that I tangibly swim through the world, which is which I sometimes feel at odds with. Um, I've always got these familiar tools within arm's reach that I can use to make something happen. You know, whether whether it's making you know calming myself down or or just making something. You know that I want, or you know, for, there's a variety of reasons. But um, you know, being a touring musician means you're on stage a couple hours a night. Doesn't take all day for me to set up the show, so I've got a lot of time on my hands uh, on sh- uh, at certain times during show days, and and certainly on days off. So I just try to—I don't know—I just try to keep busy. <laughs> yeah, I got I got nothing else to do, and you know, time's not slowing down. So um, if I feel like creating, I'll create. So,
0: going back to your childhood, and you, you went in, into depth about uh, the visual arts being your your first foray. Just out of you know a natural sense, when did music come into the picture? Was it was it your?
1: I was I was young, yeah. yeah I, mean, I was, I, a, mean, I, was a, I was a I was a child, and and I think my parents saw that I was a creative. I was going to be the creative type of person you know as I as I got older. So were they very creative? Was it? They were, Yeah for sure for sure they were they're creative not not artists per se but my mother still paints she was she was in photography um, I mean meaning she's not a professional artist but she she has a huge interest in it and, and is a painter and uh, does all sorts of things. My father as well always ha- had artistic inclinations so they they knew a bit more, I guess than the average layman about what sort of things that I would be good for me to have around and what my mom did was she always tried to make sure that I had art materials and writing materials and music materials and everything around me, but she was kind of funny about it because I never really get she she was the sort of she was sort of a thrifty person or she is a, a very thrifty person, so I would get a guitar with two strings on it I would get used paints and canvases and things like this, And I think, I think her mindset was, I'm not gonna waste a bunch of money on a child who's gonna go, who's gonna go through phases like they're you know, on, on the daily. I'm gonna put things around this kid and if he, if he really wants to make things, he's gonna figure out a way to make it work. And so I remember the first guitar I had, it did have two strings on it, it was an acoustic guitar. And nobody in my family knew how to tune it. And I, I don't know how to tune a guitar that's got two strings on it. I don't know what you would do, you know? So I just made I made everything that I could with this guitar. And when my mother realized that it was something that I, that I had an interest in, you know, we got, first we got a full set of strings and I'm not, I'm not even sure if they ever made it on the guitar. But then I got an electric guitar and you know, I tried lessons for a little bit, but like, I mean, like I had a couple of lessons. I could probably count it on one hand, how many lessons I had. Uh, but they were helpful for me to, you know, because I needed some outside, inf- with music you need instruction, you know, unless you're making avant-garde noise, which I'm, which I'm not, um, you really you'd really do need to have some instruction, uh, or s- somebody like me did. So I've spent, m- ever since I was six or seven when I got the guitar, I've spent my entire life working to get to the point where I can say confidently to people like you, I- I'm a player, I'm a position, really you know, great know I mean? Guitar player, uh, but I'm, but I'm, but let me just, and, and I don't mean, I don't mean to uh, have false humility here. I know, I know. But but, but it is tremendous amount of work, of and course. It's just, yeah, it's just through sheer willpower and sh- through the force of my. Unwillingness to stop that I can play the way that I can
0: to be to be able to create what you create I would describe the riffs that you come up with as angular, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and and it's it's really just kind of mind blowing. You have to to be able to get to that spot. You have to give yourself to the craft, right? In the same way that you gave yourself, you've given yourself obviously uh, to the the visual arts as well, because the the amount of de- detail and intricacy. That you find in a Baroness song, I also see whenever you fill a, a canvas, and you know, then the, it makes its way into the the artwork of, of your albums.
1: Sure, and I think you've, I think you've kind of put your finger on it. Uh, stylistically, what you see is somebody who loads details and embellishments and and does this because it's to make things more complicated. I am really trying to keep things simple, <laughs> but I'm not yeah. wired. In a, I'm not wired in a linear way as my uh, family. Seems like
0: you me. were you were really successful in dialing that back on purple. I felt like purple was 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 an album in which well it, it, I'm, it, things look, things breathe a little bit more. Now now I'm getting <laughs> now I'm getting getting into I stuff don't, to where if if you, they're not a fan of folks aren't sure. don't listen to your music they might not know what I'm talking about. Sure. But me just sitting here and having a conversation with you I can't
1: help but sure. But from my my point is that from my seat. I don't, I can't listen to a record oh yeah, here's, we made a decision to be focused and direct and, and to be short and succinct and mm-hmm. things like that. My whole life's journey and every day is a battle for me to, to, to just calm this chaos. So the amount of stuff you're seeing there is, is compulsive, it's neurotic, it's, anx- it's anxiety. It's all these things I can't really help but do. I'm not an efficient designer. I'm, a, I'm I'm a more a visual artist than I am a designer because I can't relay the message quickly and easily yeah it takes uh it takes a tremendous amount of work and all the, all those layers and all those details and all, all that space that I feel it's just me filling space it's just when I see that emptiness on a piece of paper and I try to reckon with that the amount of stormy chaotic maelstrom that's happening in the you know up in my brain I say okay well maybe I can just spill some of it on this paper and and like relieve a little bit of that pressure up here I don't know that it works I don't know that it works I just know that it happens you know I'm not I'm not I I talk a lot about how much I how critical I am and how much analysis I apply to things that I do but I only do that after I've done things you know the process for me has to be one that has the Feel of spontaneity or improvisation. Granted, I'm doing things that then have to be repeated, so there's there's sort of a balance that you strike. But I don't. If something's happening that I like, or if something's happening that that I'm doing, I don't. I don't ask questions at that time. I don't say, "Oh, why don't you slow down and make it simple and more easy to understand?" I just let it happen. I mean, that's that's why I consider the music that we make art and that's why i consider the visual stuff that i make art when in other contexts it could be like more illustration or you know uh more uh, a commo- an artistic commodity i don't really think of it like that it's just if i don't get it out then it's in me and then if it's in me it's not good for me you know so here's the paper here's the album you know here's the here are the words and this is just everything that's inside me that's just screaming to get out all the time and i got I you know when we're on tour fortunately i have an opportunity every every night to voice my um my concerns with myself <laughs>
0: <laughs> well i mean you're 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 so definitely very right in the fact that you're you're not a, a designer you you're 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 an, you're an artist because to me like Good graphic design is like a good balance of negative and positive space. You take Pre- the space precisely. and you you fill it out, you know, with with you know just every
1: every bit of it. The artistic term is horror vacui. It means the it's it's just it just means like this space contains no negative. Yeah. It is all positive.
0: Yeah, the, like I, I actually stopped myself because it's like I was about to say it's it's like it's all negative, but it's but actually yeah, it's 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 the opposite. Yeah. So. I'd, I I have I have to bring up this anecdote because uh it, it's a night that I'll never <clears throat> forget. We're from Columbia, as I mentioned, and mm-hmm. um our you know our big hometown haunt is, in terms of touring live music is the Blue Note. And the first time I saw Baroness, uh, y'all were on a really stacked tour. Uh-huh. It was Mastodon uh, was headlining, I believe, between the Buried and Me was was on that and tour, A Valiant, yes. Valiant Thor, and that was the first time I saw y'all, and I'd heard of y'all, but you just blew my mind that night. I loved this. I was an immediate fan. Like on the first awesome. on the first song, I was like. I love this. This is like I, I became a lifelong fan. The first n- song I saw you all play, the fun.
1: first note, <laughs> the Face first it. note. I just knew it was, yeah. this is all. This is all
0: <laughs> uphill from here. Um, uh, but the the interesting thing about that night, and I was actually this, the, I worked at the Blue Note for a year, so I was actually working security at the time, and I and I I requested to work the pit because, uh, you know, it's just my my kind of music. Yeah, and you wanted to see it. Yeah, exactly. And uh, but that night, it was uh, Bill from Mastodon was was sick, and I guess during that time, they questioned whether or not they needed to cancel the shows, and they turned to you all to fill in on playing guitar that night. So it was, was Mastodon's Crack the Sky tour they were wanting and hoping to play their album Crack the Sky in its entirety mm-hmm. and they, they, while they could play some songs without Bill they couldn't play Crack the Sky in its entirety right. without a second guitarist and so you you sat in with them and I just remember how elated you were <laughs> at the end of the night and you gotta actually got up like at the, the end of the Mastodon set and gave some really inspiring speech actually like it was there and I can't recall exactly <laughs> On their stage? Uh yeah, because into their microphone? Yeah, well, it was it was at the end of the show they brought you guys back out oh. for like a bow or something like okay, that. Okay. Not, not, not quite a bow, you I know. I usually but,
1: remember everything about every show, but this this one, yeah. Yeah, keep but going, keep no, going.
0: no, but it was it was just one of those things where I, I immediately became endeared to you in 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 that like I I became I was already a fan of your music, but I was re- just as you as a character like it it wasn't a, for me to even recant like just or 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 you know think back to what it was it was something along the lines. Of just like keep working hard you know chase your dreams and, and awesome awesome ni- nights like this can happen sure. you know yeah. and but and it probably
1: seemed obvious to me to say that i mean it's like it seems it seems obvious to people sometimes when when it, when i give an inspiring speech i'm just saying what it, what seems very apparent to me yeah you know? and well that's the that's thing people, but i think but most inspiring speeches I, are <laughs> yeah i think sometimes we just i think that's what, that's what happens is we just sort of uh, we lose Touch with the obvious, and that's why our lives get so complicated sometimes.
0: Yeah, absolutely. But my my favorite my favorite piece of this story was actually after the show because I, I was working at the Blue Note. I, I was able to get uh, that that set list, and I don't I don't normally grab set lists, but that was it was just a great night, and I I nabbed it uh, for for Mastodon set, and I met the Mastodon guys, and they, they all signed it for me, and I ran into you, and uh, I asked you to sign it, and 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 i didn't have a table it was just in the alley and, and i turned around and you you put it on on my sh- my back <laughs> and you were about to sign it and then you stop you're like wait I can't sign this. This is Mastodon list. and I turned around. I was like, "Dude, you played in the set." And You're like, "Oh yeah," <laughs> Sign it, and I still have the, still have oh, that uh, that frame somewhere. But anyway, I just wanted to share that a- anecdote. There's no real question there, but <laughs> I just, I just it's, it's one of those, it's one of those stories. Like, I'm, I'm probably gonna write. Uh, I was starting to write blogs sometimes too on on the thing, and I might share that as an anecdote yeah. along with a review of the the show. But no,
1: I mean, I, I remember those. It was a couple weeks that we were. That Bill was out and uh, our guitar player Pete and I at the time had to f- had to fill in and it was yeah I mean they were they were a big band then and you know we'd known them f- we'd known them for a long time so we knew most of their music but it it's crazy just learning songs on the road every night and then getting you know thrust out on that stage and doing it and I and I have always loved and really been into those difficult challenges that you get yeah, on the road. you know just it's kind of like the more ridiculous and difficult a thing is, the more apt I am to just like run towards it, you know. And how much? Because otherwise, you're doing the same thing every night, you know. It's like, oh, we play, oh, hey, we got these twenty songs. We're gonna play these twenty songs, and you know, just just the way you, just the way you know them. But you know, with Baroness, it, it, this has been like my philosophy since we started, and it continues to be the the. I think I don't think that's the point of music. I don't think it's I don't think our fans and, or music fans in, in general wanna go see rehearsed music. You don't wanna go listen to the album that you can stream at home. You wanna see your, the performers that, whose music you connect with and whose music you love. You wanna deepen that connection. And there's there's a, there's a number of ways that we as artists can can create the space to invite our audience a little bit further in. Um, but one of the first things is by keeping the by we the artists the musicians keeping ourselves really on the edge of our seat by doing things that are challenging or difficult or fresh or unheard of things just so that there's always an element that we can completely bed with it you know that we can completely everything can go absolutely haywire and turn into complete disaster at any moment. And that's why, I mean, I think that's one of the reasons, or or at least one of the justifications I have for why our music is as complicated and dense and layered as it is. So that we're never really relaxed on stage, we're always working for it. And I think that little bit of grit and that little bit of scrap on the edges of what we do, which is really just me trying as hard as I can to perform correctly, (laughs) I think that adds kind of like, you know, there's like a little bit of an element of danger, or mystery to it, because if I don't know what's about to happen, then you don't know what's about to happen, you know, and I think, I think that that feeling can fill up a room. And if you're careful with it, if you, if you care, if you're dedicated to your to your art and your music, I think you, you know you know, Ben's got missing a guitar player, they're gonna cancel the tour? Hell no. Everybody else on this can play guitar, and and on really on that tour, everybody could play guitar better than I could. <laughs> but I knew the songs, and I wasn't you know we had we weren't going to let that tour fall apart. We couldn't afford to. Yeah, of course we couldn't afford of to. Of course, so yeah. I, like, didn't, I didn't even oh, think what? about that so, anymore. So what, like, like one of one of my favorite bands, guys I've been friends with for you know they're gonna they're gonna leave just because i do not a guitar player? Mm, not while I'm here. <laughs> let's, let's 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 make this let's let's put our money where our mouth is about the music community. It's a community. When we need help, other people have helped us. When they needed assistance, we were happy to provide that. And I think that extends to the crowd, and I think that extends to the venues and everything like that. We all, and especially now in 2022, more than ever, not only do we want these shows to happen, we need these shows to happen. We need these shows to happen because we haven't worked for two three years.
0: And your album our, dropped right before the pandemic. Exactly. Your last so, album so we right didn't really get pandemic. to
1: support our album uh, that we put so much work into. And I, then I think, the, I think the audience needs it because they've been holed up. We've all gone through this horrible, difficult, challenging couple of years. At least now I know I got something in common with everybody in front of me. I know that we've all felt that, that disillusionment, that pain, that ang- anxiety, and that frustration. And a musical venue is where I go to worship. It's where I go to supplicate myself in front of something that's bigger than me. It's where I go to celebrate. It's where I go to exercise my demons. It's everything for me happens inside those rooms. So yeah, I I need it. And I think that puts the obligation doubly on our shoulders to create something that's unique and engaging and fun and rewarding for the ticket buyers. That's, I mean,
0: something I've said many times to many people in the past is that the only thing I'm truly physically addicted to, I feel like, is playing live music. Totally. And, uh, I mean, aside from just creating live music, the there's something about playing in front of a, a crowd of people and them, them connecting with what you're putting out there sonically. That there's there's nothing quite like it. <laughs> you know, and I, I wish people could, that, that you know, haven't experienced that. Could, could could experience that just just so they could totally. know, know how how good it really feels. Because right. I mean, it's 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 therapy for me. <laughs> you to- know, it's, totally. It's, and I
1: try, and you know, and I think I think we all I think all musicians feel that. It it feels a little uh, selfish sometimes. So I think w- what's been the work for for Baroness over the years is to. Take that joy and that elation that we feel, that thing that we get out of it, that the audience can't get out of it because they're not performing, and we tr- we've tried to find those accents and entry points for our audience and try and, and really tried to bring them in, so that the sense of authorship over a, a performance is not just the four people on stage who have microphones in front of them and the loudest things in the room. You know that's. That's that's kind of the the you know the the new adventure for me is to is really to try to show people, and not show people, but give people the opportunity to feel that themselves. Uh, so on a tour like this, where we're letting you know, where we've we've got like a little shtick or like a little gimmick, where we're letting the audience, anybody who buys a ticket can, can vote on their favorite songs. We choose the top ten songs from all of those votes, and we play them, and that's that's set A out of three sets that we do, uh, and I. Th- I think, I mean, if my eyes don't deceive me, I think that that's allowing our audience in a little bit further, you know, so that, the, so that this music, which is written not for me specifically, but for all of us, can, can actually be enjoyed, you know, in those terms as long as the audience is willing to go there. You know, if, it's, if I wrote crappy music, I, w- <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if nobody, nobody came in. But, uh, you know, I think, I, I think we're really proud of the, mus- the, the music that we've written, and we're really excited each night to play it the way that we do, because we improvise a lot. Songs change on a night-to-night basis depending on the crowd and what their experience is in real time in those venues.
0: That's great. Speaking of venues, I mean, the, you're going to be playing here in the Duck Room. Seems like this tour is predicated upon, you know, kind of kind of intimate settings and whatnot. It has, and I'm I I can't wait to to see you play here in, in an hour or two, but <clears throat> I would imagine it really. Lends itself to the, the trying to achieve creating that visceral experience for yeah, yeah. for, I mean, it, for it, the it, people, bringing not only bringing them in and helping them cultivate your set list, but also, you know, it, bringing it really bringing it in. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's know? as
1: it's as up close and personal as you could possibly, you know, if you want to be two feet away from the from the music, if you want my spit on your face, <laughs> you have pretty sure I've had it on. You, it before. can happen here. It can <laughs> yeah. happen tonight, ladies yeah. and gentlemen. <laughs> um, but there's you know there's I, I i have traditionally split venue size into roughly three categories you know small uh small club like all clubs then what we would typically call venues uh you know somewhere between 1000 and 5000 and then the 5000 and up and, the, and those three different arenas uh and sizes that you can that you can see music at demand of the performer something very different totally so, yeah uh, you know, being that, that the last tour we did before these, before these Your Baroness tours, we were typically playing to between 30 and 70,000 people a night. We had gotten very skilled at performing in, in that way, which is more theatric, I think, in some regards, because no matter what you're doing, you, you, ha- you really have to speak to the last person in the room. And the last person in a seventy-thousand-person stadium arena is somebody you can't see, and you are very unaware of. You have no idea what they're going through, so you have to speak loudly in big, bold moves, and you have to be kind of simple, and you have to be kind of efficient. Um, and so we, you know, we were cutting our teeth in that world for for you know quite a while. And coming out of the pandemic, you know, it's for a variety of reasons we're doing a tour like this. But one of the one of the most exciting parts of it was. That we could go back and this in this lineup could go back and do something that we haven't ever done. This lineup, that is, which is go back into the clubs that we would have played in 2005 or 2007 or something, um, and do our thing there. And it means it feels more like we're musicians and less like we're performers. Like it's not as it's not as obligatory to gesticulate and to, you know, do this stuff for, so that people. Are aware of you you know it's not that's not that's not a necessary part of the performance it happens of course because that's how we play we play very physically but more important is that we as a four piece are playing music with one another and that we're listening to the, those subtle cues and those the, we're moving our music in those really intangible ways that only only the chemistry of a very tight-knit band can do and it's really mental, you know. These these stages make that situation very easy to achieve. Uh, so we can, so we discover new things about our music every night. It's it's yeah. It's just it's just super rad, and you know this time's so turbulent. And you know I think everybody just needs something different. So I'm also taking this as an oppor- You know this time in touring as an opportunity to try to reimagine what shows can be like for us, because the status quo is fine. You know, you go pay 30 bucks, to see a show, t-shirts are going to be this, you're going to sit through two opening bands, you know. There's a kind of a rigmarole and it's always the same. Opening band plays for 30 minutes, second band plays for 45, and then you get an hour and a half. This is just like we're making these rooms ours for the night. And we're controlling what we want to control and we're letting the rest of it be what it wants to be. But it's really, it's really been fun and, and kind of uh, thrilling for us because we, we're just playing music you know, at that point.
0: Tonight you have a a guest musician coming up, is that right? A St. Louis native?
1: So a St. Louis native, Katie Jones, uh, who's an old friend of mine, is gonna be performing some of the acoustic stripped uh, songs that we do at the, the, our B set is uh, is all acoustic. And typically it's just Gina and I. Uh, But Katie, who I've known, I think for 10 years now, uh, who I started playing folk and kind of rootsy country with in right after I was in a this big accident that the band went through. Uh, she was the one who actually introduced me to Nick Jost, another St. Louis native who is our current bass player <laughs> who is and who hopefully will always be our bass player. Um, and she she and I were playing music at a time when the band was just in a in a post accident hiatus where most of the members left and I was recuperating physically and it was going to take a while. And so she, you know, she and I she allowed me to discover a side of my musical identity that I wasn't as aware of as I wanted to be. And at some point in that process, she she knew we needed, we needed a bass player. And she's like, look, I, this is like the best bass player I've ever heard in my life. You're going to, you're going to love him. And it was like, she was right <laughs> he's the best place player I've ever seen you know uh, and he plays in my little rock band
0: yeah he's, he's fabulous I, I met him years ago and it's really small world I, I mentioned this before but Nick was uh, my cousin's roommate's boyfriend in New York <laughs> <And> I posted <laughs> the last time you came to came to Columbia I posted that I was gonna I was gonna see you guys and she right. messaged me and she's like is that Nick Jost <laughs> yeah so it's a, it's a small world
1: it's a, uh, it is it's a small world you yeah. Know. yeah. You get reminders of that every day, but you know, it's, it's good that it's a small world because it's, cause ultimately that small world is populated by individuals and people that you can love and care about. And you can't just, you know, it's, it's nice to know that there is an, an entertainment-based industry like music with, that is full of dedicated, hardworking people who care so much about what they do, who are such a valuable part of whatever your group is that you can't do it without them. yeah that it Mm -hmm. it, that the whole the whole structure falls apart without the heart and soul of its members
0: so i have to ask because you mentioned the fact that you you've dabbled with like folk and americana or whatever is that is that ever something that that you've dabbled in like seriously or ever considered like releasing something oh really okay
1: Recorded songs it's it's definitely how all of our songs start or not all of them but like the
0: There's an earthiness to to Baroness. If you strip
1: back the superficial stuff, the artifice kind of stuff, the little bells and whistles, it's country music underneath it. Most people don't want to; they don't want to admit that, or they don't want to hear it. But it's pretty. There, there are plenty of songs that we have that, underneath them all, are just kind of either country or sort of like 80s pop songs yeah I, d- I don't know why it's not it's not uh-huh. something I don't have control over this sort of stuff it's that's just that's how it comes out and then it gets all crazy because my <laughs> mom made me listen to music theater when I was a kid so I'm always like well oh, put more stuff in there <laughs> yeah. filling all the spaces of yeah. the canvas yeah, yeah yeah exactly you know
0: sonically yeah. um, you brought something up that um, I, we don't need to dwell on it or anything, but I, you guys were in a really terrible wreck while you were on tour in Europe mm-hmm. uh, with your tour bus, and the only reason why I bring it up is I I can relate actually because the last time I saw you was at uh, Rose Music Hall in Columbia, and I talked to you about this. That oh, was right after the crash, right? Mm-hmm. It was first it was your back. first tour back, sure, and yeah. my band the same year was in a really bad wreck oh, while we okay. were on tour, and uh, we it was a bu- it was a van and sure. you know but it flipped and rolled and, yeah. rolled and uh, it was you know it was transformative for the band i mean remember mm-hmm. you know in the same way that members you know i don't know how how directly related the members leaving you know when after the wreck was to the wreck but you know directly. Mem- yeah i figured i figured <laughs> some can
1: some of them can't perform because of their injuries wow Jeez. i'm surprised i can perform with my injuries it's yeah. a shock to me
0: um so you know i'm i'm curious do you ever have any kind of apprehensiveness about going back on the road? At, ever about the, after that, or is it just full I mean, full look, I got, a,
1: I got hurt going from one place to another. Am I nervous every time I go from one place to another? No. Yeah. It ha, you know, sometimes you get startled, sometimes you get shocked, you know, you get something like this and you got there's echoes of it that reverberate through my head every day that I have to deal with, and I have, I really have to deal with that, but it doesn't come out as simply as I'm... I don't want, you know. I'm nervous to go on tour. I'm excited to go on tour. Because when I don't tour, then I'm left with the memory of that without the adventure that warranted it, you know? And I, the way I have put, the, the best way that I put it is, if you're a carpenter and you get hurt on your way to work, you don't stop being a carpenter. Yeah, yeah. So I look forward to every stage that I step on. Is this however the first, I gotta get
0: there. Is this the first time you've gone out since the pandemic on tour, or is, did you get We did the
1: off? first leg of this tour at the end of 2021.
0: Yeah, so yeah. Well, how's that homecoming been been for you after that long? Oh, it's great, it's great. Yeah, it's,
1: fanta- it's fantastic. Yeah, it's nothing, it was horrible living without my adventure.
0: So you, you had this album that dropped right before the pandemic. Um, are, are you guys working on anything anything yeah, new?
1: It's almost done.
0: Really? Mm-hmm. Can your fans expect to hear hear about hear that this year, or is the painting done? If that's, we're lucky, that's the important lucky. question. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm kind of sooner, sooner the better, S A P for me. Yeah. yeah. Well, great. And I, I know that um, I'm not alone when I say I, I can't wait to to get a taste of it, and I can't wait to see all perform tonight. I know Hell it's yeah. going to be a a moment of of uh, catharsis that I think everyone in that room is going to need. So. Yeah, it'll be it'll be rad. Yeah, I appreciate <laughs> you taking time to sit with us for a bit. Of course. And uh, yeah, thanks for being on the Big Money Music Hour, John.
1: <laughs> Absolutely, thank you.